Welcome to the Faculty Chronicles, a podcast where we speak with Merida College faculty members on important issues that impact our campus and impact our world. I'm your host, Tom Perry, and today we are pleased to welcome Ryan May, McCoy Professor of Psychology. Dr. May is a clinical psychologist and is a member of the medical staff at Merida Morrill Hospital. Dr. May has worked at Merida College since 2002. Today, we are pleased to welcome Ryan to our podcast to talk about a hot topic on college campuses, student mental health. Ryan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's just get right into it. Um, as we said, it's a hot topic. And I, you know, I took some time to look up some recent stats about college students and mental health and, and you know, because we hear it all the time. And I you know, ran across some reports that one said, you know, about 73% of students will experience some sort of mental health crisis during college, or that almost half of college students had a psychiatric disorder in the past year. Can you help us understand Is this a new phenomenon? Is this just something that's being uh, reported more accurately? Can you help us understand what's going on? That's a good question. Um, I think in general, people are more open to talking about mental health issues now than they ever have been in the past. I think there's been a decreased stigma about talking about mental health. Um, It's always been something that uh, in most places, we, we don't talk a whole lot about it. And in fact, it's one of the goals in the in the class that I teach about mental health issues here at the college to get people to talk more openly about it and realize that it's, you know, it's not something that's, you know, terribly rare, that it is a thing that a lot of people um, experience. Um, but I also think it's important to understand the, the, the nature of mental disorders. You know, it, it's not like cancer where you either have it or you don't. Um, it's not like a broken, you know, broken arm where you really, either have it or you don't. Um, most of our mental health symptoms symptoms are more on a continuum. For example, we have people that are hardly ever anxious to people who are, you know, severely anxious. And in some way, we draw a line to say on this side of the line, we have a disorder and this side of the line, we don't. And, you know, where that line is may change depending on, you know, different cultural variables, um, et cetera. All right. So, you know, we have a lot of emotions that are positive. We have emotions that are negative that we don't like. And some of those uh, negative emotions like anxiety are perfectly natural and normal emotions. In fact, it's a good thing. Neither one of us would be here today if we didn't experience any anxiety. You know, it's what keeps us from walking out in front of a car. It's what, you know, keeps us from petting that grizzly bear that we see in Yellowstone Park or whatever um, it is. We actually do a little better on some tasks with some level of anxiety. You know, worried about how well we do on an exam is going to cause us to study for that exam. Um, We actually, um, having a little bit of arousal, athletes do better when they're a little bit anxious than if they're not anxious at all. But I think that maybe it's possible that we're becoming a little less tolerant of negative emotions. Say, if I don't like feeling this way, is there something that I can um, that I can do um, about it? But but you're right. There are a significant uh, number of people college aged are dealing with mental health issues. Uh, it's thought that a significant per- percentage of mental health issues start uh, by the age of 24. You know, and our, our brain is still developing. Our brain doesn't fully develop till the age of 25. And most you know most of our college students are within. Uh, that age uh, rage. It's also a time where there is a lot of increased stress. Um, you know, we're at college, you know, we're, we're doing a lot more things independently. That can lead to a lot of uh, increased stress. We're away from, you know, our, our social support system. We're away from mom or dad and, you know, other people are, we've changed our friend groups and that's a lot of stress, but there are a significant percentage of people. So we think that about 12% of students will ex- experience some level of significant anxiety. About 9% will experience a depressive disorder. Uh, disordered eating, about the same number, about 9 or 10%. 
um, ADHD, substance use disorders, and unfortunately about 6% of college students will experience some level of suicidal ideation. And, you know, and, you know that can range from anything from, you know, man, uh, what if I wasn't here to actually having a plan? And, you know, obviously that is, that is serious. Um, but yeah, so there are there are an increased level, and I, I would say that there's probably an inc- definitely an increased level of these emotions that are causing problems, even if they're subclinical, right? If they don't meet the level of diagnostic criteria, most people with disordered eating don't actually meet the criteria for full blown anorexia or bulimia, but it's still clearly causing um, a problem. I think we could say the same thing for anxiety, depression, those type of things as well. Okay, um, let's bring it a little bit. Closer to home, I guess mm-hmm. I'll say, and that's that's here on on a campus like ours or or, or other institutions like us. Um, again, I, I this isn't my area of expertise, that's why I brought you in. So I kind of sure. was trying to look up some things, and another thing I ran across said that small colleges like Marietta have basically approximately one uh, professional mental health counselor that's available for up to about 700 students. I would say here on our campus, probably a little bit closer to one for every 500 yeah. students that we have on campus. Um, but it's just, you know, it just doesn't seem like enough when you think about when we're talking about these and, and it's going up. So what do college and, colleges and universities, from your perspective, really need to be doing to address this moving forward into the future? Well, one of the, one of the best ways to um, deal with the lack of treatment resources is to decrease the need for treatment resources. And one of the ways to decrease the need for treatment resources is looking at what are some things that we can do to help prevent um, these, you know, the symptoms of anxiety, the symptoms of depression, the disordered eating, the substance abuse, you know, what are some ways that we can, you know, catch them early, right? Uh, ways that we can, you know, catch them before they are getting, you know, to the point where they're having a significant negative impact on our ability to function. That's really what we think of if it's a disorder, you know, is it having a significant negative impact on our ability to function in like work, school, relationships, those type of things. Well, what are some things that we can do to decrease the likelihood that it, that it gets to that point, right? So, you know, look at some ways to prevent. So maybe um, teaching some stress management uh, strategies, just overall, if we, you know, we try to teach this to everybody, it decreases the the people that need to seek individual um, services, learning how to handle some negative emotions. So when I start to feel anxious, and it starts to feel out of control, what are some things um, that I can do? Um, you know, how can I, how can I manage my time a little better? I see a lot of, uh, you know, this is a very stressful time of the semester. You know, we're recording this the last week of class. Uh, you know, I'm giving two exams this week. That students with a paper due today. We have finals next week. Now, that paper that was due today, students knew about it back in August when I handed them out the syllabus. A lot of them didn't start working on it till like last night or the day before. But if we actually, you know, talk to them about the importance of managing our time more um, effectively. Um, Taking time for yourself, you know, Uh, and I think another time, you know, one of the things that Marietta College has is we have a lot of great opportunities for for our students to get involved in things. Well, there are some students that feel like they need to be involved in everything, right? And that that just wears people down to be involved in that, making sure you're taking some time for yourself. And another important thing, stay physically fit, right? The importance of exercise, both aerobic and anaerobic exercise have antidepressant and anxiety effects. In fact, a lot of research suggests that for mild to, you know, the low end of moderate depression, it can be regular exercise can be as effective as antidepressant medication. Now, I don't say that to say if you're on medication, you can stop taking it and just go hit, you know, hit the gym. Don't do that. Always talk to your doctor about it. But Regular exercise does help us deal with negative emotions. And, um, you know, I think it would be bene- beneficial.
official uh, thing, if, if our provost is listening, to actually add a phys ed class to our gen ed curriculum, right, to kind of teach the importance of being physically fit and active helps our physical health and our mental health. So I would say prevention, coping, helping students to become more resilient. Okay. I think that, yeah. Well, and I think we both realize that um, while we're saying these seem to be more prevalent, you know, the uh, mental health issues have always been around on college campuses. So what I'm now curious about is how much have the past two years changed that because uh, and what I mean by that is the pandemic and, you know, students going from, um, um, I would say, what they would consider their normal lives to then changing to online, hybrid, not being around people, being isolated. How mm-hmm. much has that, do you think, impacted I think it's impacted everybody, right? College student. I mean, I think it's impacted everybody from young kids to, to senior adults. It may be in a different way, but, you know, it hasn't been a, a stellar two or three years for anybody's mental health, I don't think. You know, I've, you know there's been a demand for mental health services, um, you know, across the board, not only on college campuses, but, you know, here locally at counseling services, psychiatric services, um, et cetera. People, you know, there's been an increased level of stress. We've been isolated from our social support uh, networks. Our routines have been thrown into to chaos, right? And, you know, change equals stress. And there's been a lot of change in these past two or three years. And hopefully as things uh, settle down into maybe what's a, what's a new normal, um, you know, hopefully it will decrease. Another thing is I think we've, we've talked about people paying attention to their mental health, right? And I think when you're looking at something, you're more likely to say, hey, maybe there's something I can do about this. So maybe that's led to a, an increase in a need for services, uh, well, which, which in many ways is a good thing because, you know, we talked about the prevalence of mental disorders uh, or, or problematic emotions amongst uh, college-age students, but about two-thirds of those individuals won't seek help or realize that there's something that can be done about it. So. Well, as you just mentioned, uh, you have tests and you have uh, papers doing all that stuff. So you interact with students on a regular basis. You know, you get a chance to, to talk to them and, and kind of get a feel. Is there anything you've learned just in, I guess, what I would call the general interactions you have uh, with, with our students or whether it's through your own family, those kind of things, that, uh, that you think might help explain a little bit of why we're seeing more depression, more anxiety, and these other mental health issues? Yeah, you know, like I, like I talked about earlier, I think one is we're more open and talking about these things, which I think is is a good thing. Um, I also think, you know, these past, you know, couple of years, everybody's schedule has been in a chaos. You're right. I do interact with students on a early basis. I just got done lecturing for three hours, so my voice is holding out here, which I think is a, which is a good thing. Um, but I also, I'm also the parent of a college kid. I'm a parent of a high school teacher. Um, as well. Uh, I know it's shocking that I'm that old, but, uh, but yeah, I am that, but I do see, you know, I do see there is an increased level, um, I think uh, of stress and, uh, maybe a little decreased in in resilience. And, you know, I I don't know. I think there, there was also, you know, there was a lower level of resources, I think available during the pandemic and people were kind of left to do things, uh, you know, for themselves. But, you know, one of the biggest things I've seen in class is that I think, uh, a good majority of academic stress could be alleviated by good time management and planning, right? And just kind of thinking through, thinking through things. And here's what I have to do, and here's what you know. And in fact, I was just teaching a a, a psychology of sport class, and uh, we were talking about some of the benefits of participating in sport. Is that it kind of forces you to to plan your day, to plan your time, and and that type of thing. Uh, you know, I was a, I was a college athlete as well, and I said, you know, I think that's one of the skills I learned is that I had a lot to do. And I had to, I always did better in season because I was forced me to manage my time more. When I was given more free time, you know, 
it was easier to to do the the fun stuff and not the academic stuff. So you know, I think I, I just think watching students and realizing you know we, we can now see exactly when they turn in their papers and the number of papers I had a paper due you know eight o'clock this morning. The number of papers that were rolling in between midnight and eight was a lot higher probably than it should have been. And there's still some that there's still an empty box right that I'm still waiting for it to come in right. So. Yeah. Well, I always like to wrap up with talking about, you know, in the class, which we, we, we've already kind of done. But I, I'm just curious in the classroom, not from maybe necessarily the teaching perspective, but are you – are students bringing up these topics to you more often? Are they saying, you know, hey, Dr. Mayer, can we talk about this in class since this is what this class is about? Because right. maybe you're sensing that they're either experiencing it or they're seeing it among their classmates and they just want to understand it better. You know, I, I think so. Um, you know, the fact that I'm – that I am a licensed clinical psychologist, I think sometimes people will want to ask me questions. And you know, I'm always very careful in class, say, well, I'm your professor here and you're not, not your therapist, that type of thing. So, you know, don't take it for a treatment thing or anything like that. But we do, I do notice that students are much more open. You know, I've been teaching here, as you said, for 20 years. Um, students are much more open now in class to talk about stuff that they're going through. You know, maybe 10 years ago, it was that unnamed friend who was really them, right? <laughs> 20 years ago, we just didn't, you know, just, just sat there and stared at me and they never heard, you know, they knew it, but they wouldn't talk about it. So I do think there's more students like talking about some of their personal experiences and, you know, things that they're dealing with. And, and obviously it's relevant to almost every class I teach. So it's very easy to bring, bring those things in because I talk about classes that are directly um, related to mental health, abnormal psychology, which ironically, uh, this is the last semester we're calling that class abnormal psychology. We're calling it psychopathology from here on on to kind of because people think, man, if I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm not normal. Well, as we just talked about, the prevalence rates of this are so high. It doesn't mean – the word normal means something different than it did when we coined that term. So we're actually referring to it as psychopathology from, from here on out. So that's just kind of a way that things have um, conceptualized. I teach a class in health psychology where we actually look how our mental health affects our physical health and how psychological processes. You know, when we're stressed, our immune system isn't working as well as it should, which can make us more vulnerable to being sick and recover not as quickly. So, you know, so it's easy to talk about it, I guess, in some of my classes because that is the topic that we talk about in the majority of it. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Faculty Chronicles, and thank you to Dr. May for uh, sharing his insight with us today. If you'd like to learn more about Merida College, please visit www.marietta.edu.